I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. And I think this is a unique slant on stand-up comedy. A combination of sex ed and stand-up comedy. My guest today is Raylene Taskoski. And she did something unique. She combined both stand-up comedy and parties about sex education. Check out some excerpts from her stand-up comedy in both the beginning of the podcast and in the middle. Raylene Taskoski. To give your partner a shot of tequila, because what happens when guys get a shot of tequila in them? The same thing that happens to us. <laughs> we get more flexible about what we will and will not do. <laughs> Sometimes we drink so much that we're actually more flexible. We wake up the next morning, we're like, "What the fuck did I do to my guys?" <laughs> So you're gonna give him the shot of tequila, and when he gets all loosey goosey, you're gonna go ahead and uh, hand him the blindfold and say, "Honey, if you put this blindfold on and hold out your hands, I will put my boobies right in your hands." And he's gonna be like, "Boobies!" <laughs> so be nice. Put the boobies in the hands. Let him do this. Let him do this. Let him like whatever he wants to do. Let him play. When he's good and, and, and enjoying everything, you're gonna take out your secret pair of handcuffs and you're just gonna go. <laughs> because they don't know what just happened. They are now blindfolded and handcuffed. All right, so then you take your tickle whip, you're like, shh. <laughs> I got you. You didn't trust me. <laughs> and, then, and then right when they, they lay him down, put the handcuffs, tie him to the bed if you have to. And then it's gonna go, I like that. <laughs> and then you're gonna go, I did not say you could talk. <laughs> now, this has to be, this has to be a loving, playful slap, okay? This cannot be, I saw you looking at that bitch in the club. <laughs> because that will give you a very, very different experience than what you were hoping for. <laughs> Okay, Raylene, well, I'm pretty pumped to have you on. I saw your profile on Spot-A-Guest, which is where I, I go on there here and there, and um, I really get a sense of who I, I like to pick out people. I, I'm kind of not a, hey, approach me too much about being on the podcast. I like to really search and get a feel for people. And I came across your thing, and I was like, this, this is, I got to talk to this person. I have to. Awesome. And, that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah, it was a feeling. I got this feeling and I said, I must reach out to Raylene. I like this stand-up comedy, sex education. What the hell are we talking about here? We got to talk about this, <laughs> you know? I feel like I just got picked first on a kickball team. You did. <laughs> never happened before. Not the best team, but you know, it's somebody's, it's some team, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yes. Awesome. Well, how did you get into stand-up comedy? And in part two of that question... How is that being affected with the coronavirus? Well, I'll start with part two. Uh, okay. Right now, the coronavirus has stopped pretty much all, obviously, in-person live stand-up comedy. 
Um, and alternatively, it has also completely stopped my regular business. And so right now I am uh, hoping to get a stimulus check. <laughs> yes. But unfortunately, I'm self-employed. So whether or not I get anything other than the, the stimulus check will wait remains to be seen. Um, and so how I got started in stand-up comedy sex ed, um, I have been, let's start with this, the sex ed part of it. I've been in direct sales for 13 years and I worked for an adult novelty company, work, work for an adult novelty company, mm -hmm. uh, doing in-home parties for adult women with lotions, massage, bath aids, and bedroom accessories. And when I say nice. bedroom accessories, I don't mean lamps, winky face. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for the first nine of those years, everybody would say, oh, my God, you were so funny. You should be a stand-up comic. And and I would be like, nope, I do not belong on a stage. That is not where I want to be. It's kind of scary. I tried it once when I was 27. Um, and so I just kept doing the parties. And my one of my uh, – I had a business coach. And she said, um, I, she said, what's your favorite part of the party? And I said, my favorite part of the party is when people are laughing so hard, they can't breathe. Uh, they're peeing their pants, they're getting migraines and they're leaving and they're just in hysterics. And she said, well, um, what about the part where you, uh, talk to people in the shopping room and you get them what they need? And she, and I, and I said to her, nope, that's not my favorite part. That's just how I make money. So if I could literally just like do the party and then mic drop and walk the fuck out, <laughs> that would yeah. be ideal. And she said, then you have to go and um, do an open mic somewhere. And I said, nope, not going to do that. That's scary. And I don't think I should be doing that. And she goes, well, Raylene, you paid me an awful lot of money to be your coach to not take my advice. So I went out and I did my first open mic and I did it Facebook live just to prove that I knew what I was talking about and I was not supposed to be on a stage. And uh, I had 1,200 views before I even got home that night and 7,500 views within a week of people sharing my five-minute open mic. And I booked two shows from there. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a comedian now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started doing the comedy, but... One thing that is very true about comedy is comedy does not pay. So unless mm. you are making a ton of money, uh, or unless you're like super famous, you're not making any money on comedy. Uh, but paying, se selling sex toys pays very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I had to just um, keep doing what I was doing and not do the comedy. And every now and then people would just say, oh, hey, do you want to be on my show? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll be on your show. But like I get paid $50 to do a Friday night show when I could be making $350 doing an adult novelty party. Yeah. And uh, so I really was just not doing it. And then one day I was super just stressed out about money. Like no matter what, if you're self-employed, there are days that you're stressed about money. And I was having trouble sleeping. And I have a rule where if I can't sleep for more than what feels like 15 minutes to a half an hour, I'll just get up. I'm not going to toss and turn all night long. I'll just get up, go read a book, do something, watch TV. And so I got up and the first book I grabbed was You're a Badass at Making Money by uh, Jen Sincero. And I picked it up and I sat down on my chair and I opened it. And before I even got past the, um, the foreword, 
everything in the universe just like flooded into my brain. And it said, why in the world are you not combining stand-up comedy and your sex toy party into one fun show? And that way you could just have it all. And I, and I had already purchased the domain stand-up comedy sex ed like three years earlier and I was just sitting on it and I didn't know why. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It just, just hit, hit you right then. It just hit me right then. And so literally the next day I booked my first one. I said, all right, I'm going to do this. I made uh, a little deal with a friend who rented out a VFW and um, we like split the ticket sales and half of it went to their philanthropy and the other half went to me and I only sold like 20 or 25 tickets, but it was more than I kind of thought I was going to sell. And everybody had a really good time. And they said, yeah, this is a thing. You should do it. So then I booked it again, like six months later, four months later. Um, and this time I had 90 people come and all the people who were at the first one came to the second one. And I was like, this is crazy. And again, and that time I charged more and I made more. It was awesome. And then I did it again and I sold out a theater of 85. And then I did it again a couple of weeks ago and I sold out a theater of 120. Oh man. Awesome. And everybody is loving it because I'm taking that same information that I share at the in-home parties and, but I'm doing it um, for couples. And so it's girls nights and it's couples and it's bachelorettes parties and stuff like that. And the information that is so important that I that we only share with the women is now being shared with the women and the men. And it's really awesome, the feedback that I'm getting from it. That's wonderful. I mean, it sounds like an interesting arc um, to a career and what you're doing. And uh, I'm fascinated how people kind of move into the things that they they get into. I think always think the best things are unexpected in life in many ways. Yeah. You no, know, you're just reading a book. You're like can't sleep, and all of a sudden, boom! The thing was, comes down, and there you go. It was just so ridiculous how it happened that I was like, "Yep, that's the next step." That I mean, it was just so intuitive in that moment where everything just hit me. It was it was almost like God put up a sign that said here's your next path. You know, sometimes yeah. you're just like, all right, where the hell am I supposed to go? And you really wish there was like a GPS in this, in this instant, it literally felt like a GPS system just was like, bing, take a right now. And I did. And it's been really fun. What was the voice on the GPS? What did it sound like? I gosh, I wish I could I don't know. It was just you know a, those GPSs yeah. back in the day. Oh, had like a British lady or something. Mine's uh, British. I have a British lady. I love it. I'm oh, obsessed it? with all things British. Every I don't know if it's accident. It's got to be accidental. But pretty much every book I listen to on YouTube, not YouTube, um, Audible, um, yeah. not the business books, with the other ones, they're always with an English uh, background. You know, the person speaking narrator. Um, Right now, I'm obsessed with Outlander, the books and the <laughs> series, and so really? I, I, I'm like Outlander, have, Outlander, yeah, <laughs> both of them. I'm going back and forth between the books and the, at well, I had asked all my friends on uh, Facebook. I said, should I watch this? And everybody was like, yes, oh my god, yes, oh my god, oh my god, yes. And then uh, the other half were saying, read the books first, and so that's the same way I I did uh, Game of Thrones too. 
I read the books while I was watching the show. Sometimes it helps me because I'm I'm a skimmer when I read. And so it's hard for me to keep characters unless they really fully develop a character. And I know who that character is. All the sub characters, I can't keep track of them. So reading helps me figure out a character and then seeing them on TV or on the, yeah, on the show will give me a face to go with the name and the character development. So I did it with that. I did it with Lord of the Rings. I did it with, well, Harry Potter was easy. (laughs) It was pretty easy. Yeah. And Outlander. Wow. That's crazy. Now, so were you, did you consider yourself like uh, pretty funny growing up? Or you know, like people thought that, you know, just like your personality is really funny. You're like, I remember I had like a few friends growing up where I were like, these, these people are hilarious. Like they could be in comedy. Like they're just naturally funny. Did, did you consider yourself to be like that? Um, yes, I did. Other people just thought I was weird. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but I have always known I was funny. Whenever anybody says like, what are your three things? You know, oh, what are three things that everybody should know about you? You know, um, I'm always like smart, funny, and I don't know, pick one. Like, I've got nothing after smart and funny. Um, And even when I put it on Facebook one time, I was like, all right, listen, I'm not trying to be egotisticals, but I have to fill out this form, top three things about me, and I've got smart, funny, and what is the other one? And everybody was like, you're so confident, you're so this, you're that. I'm like, Jesus, you people don't know me at all. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool to see what other people thought of me. Well, yeah, that could be funny or scary, I guess, you know. It, it could be. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I just think it's the laughter is so amazing. I enjoy laughing, laughing quite a bit. And I think stand-up comedy is such an interesting art form. Uh, do you, it seems like you came to it later in life, but do you, did you ever watch any stand-up comics that you really liked growing up or now? Who do you listen to or watch? Oh yeah. I've always been obsessed with comedy. Remember I did say I tried it once when I was 27. Yes. Uh, I, I hear people say this all the time. They're like, I'm so funny. I should be a stand-up comic. And I'm like, get on stage with a microphone and then tell me that. <laughs> like, right. is, and then, so I would joke around and when I was doing the parties, people say, you're a stand-up comic. I'm like, no, I'm a sit down comic. Like I can sit down here all night long with you guys and make you laugh until you pee. But as soon as you hand me a microphone, I'm like, uh, so that is very difficult to overcome. Um, I forgot the question now. Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. You know, I'm, I'm asking, I'm like, boom, 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 hitting with a couple questions here and there. Um, like who do you, who did you, do you watch anybody? Like you're inspired by any other comedians? Um, I love, um, I really wish I could remember her dang name. Um, I, all right, well, let's start with Fluffy. Okay. Gabriel Iglesias, one of my favorite <laughs> comedians yes. since he was first known on Comedy Central. And my daughter got us tickets to go see him uh, two years ago in Boston, and it was the best. It was the best. And, it, well, no, it must, have been, it must have been more than two years ago because it was before I started comedy. So it would have been four or five years ago. And he did his show, but then he stayed and he was basically using us as an open mic. And oh, okay. I didn't realize that would, you know, afterwards they were like, Hey, Fluffy, you got to let these people go. Cause like the parking garages are going to close soon. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. He goes, I was just trying out some new material on you guys. And I was like, Oh, well that's why it started just kind of being eh, instead of like super tight. Um, yeah. But then when I became a comedian, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I do too. Cause I hate open mics, but I love having a captive audience. Um, 
there was a, a female comedian and she had a mental breakdown and then she came back. Oh. And um, I cannot remember her name. I can see her face clear as day and I can't remember her name, but I always really loved her. Um, I'm a big fan. Wow. I'm horrible with names right this moment. <laughs> I'm um, getting that impression, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Oh, Eliza Schlesinger. Uh-huh. She's yeah. a lot younger than me, but from the first time I ever heard her, her comedy is just so smart and tight and well-written. And and a lot of comedy out there's not. But that I mean she's it's smart comedy. Gary explain the term tight. Uh just I mean I think I know what you mean, but There's uh, just love- no extraneous words. Like every word ha- is placed where it needs to be for a reason. You know, where like a lot of comedians are still me, especially very wordy, trying to get to the point, and and they just it's like bam, 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 and you're just dying until you're peeing yourself. Right. I love that. There's a lot of good. Com- I love that Netflix has comedies out there so often now. Um, it's true, because there's always somebody new, well, new to you. You know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> These people totally have been working agree. their asses off forever. And then all of a sudden they just become part of your, what you can see. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, um, I was just watching on Netflix, the, uh, Dave Chappelle special where he won the Mark Twain comedy award. It's just <laughs> like a really big deal, you know, and the Kennedy center. And I love Dave Chappelle. I just think he's like, he speaks comedy. Like that's his language. It feels like right. uh, to him, like, and I, and I get, like when I've heard other comedians I say like, oh, Dave Chappelle, like that's his language. Like he speaks, like it's just flows through him. And it just seems like I love when comedians, like they're just so themselves on stage. And I actually like when they laugh at their own jokes too. I think that's pretty funny in some way. It's know? weird because some people love that and some people don't. It's true. Totally true. And I am a- not possible to not laugh at my own jokes because I say shit and I'm like, God damn, that was funny. <laughs> I just laugh. I think it's funny when you laugh at your own stuff. It's like you thought it was funny and then you couldn't stop yourself from laughing. There's something about that that's so honest and pure to me. You know, you know what I think it is, is if you laugh at your own joke, it gives the audience the impression that you just made that shit up right now. <laughs> like you have not said it 72,000 times already. Right. And right. that's what that feels like to me when, when a comedian does that. And a good and way for, of putting that. And for me, a lot of times, um, so I've got things, I'm not as scripted as a lot of comedians are. Um, I, I mean, I, I have scattered notes of what I want to say, but unlike Elijah Schlesinger, who's very tight and knows exactly what she's going to say and when she's going to say it. Um, and she knows it because she hits her mark and then boom, and she waits for her laughter and then she waits and then she boom, hits you again. Like she knows a lot of times. So because I'm mixing stand-up comedy with my sex toy parties, I'm just giving you the sex toy party with some of my inane thoughts and weird ass stories. Mm-hmm. And so it's not extremely tight and like solidly written. So there are times where I will say something that I did not expect myself to say and just lose it. So I'm just like, I right. can't believe I just said that in front of 120 people that I do not know. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I don't know. 
So it's my stand up comedy sex ed really is a journey between making it funny, but also being educational at the same time. And that's what's important to me because then when somebody goes, well, that wasn't as funny as I thought it could be like, well, that's because it was an educational experience. (laughs) Yeah. And if somebody goes, well, I didn't learn that much. I'm like, that's because it was a comedy show. (laughs) (laughs) You can vacillate on both sides. Exactly. Covering my bases. You are covering your bases for that. That's hilarious. So what do you, how do you prepare for your um, shows? I mean, how much material do you work out? Do you go to like more open mics? No. You know, no, just you just get up there and do it. Well, I first of all hate open mics and every comedian hates open mics, but it, for them it's how they have to work out their material. I have the parties. So I work out a lot of my material at the parties. And so I use my parties as my open mics now. Uh but they don't know that. Or sometimes I'll do something and then they'll laugh and I'm like, "Okay, good. I was going to try that on stage. I just want to know how it's yeah. going to work." Right. And then they feel like they're part of my journey because they are. Um, what I do before the show is I listen to all of my shows. Like I'll just listen to all of them and be like, oh, yeah, I want to remember that. You messed that up. Don't don't mess that up this time. And I have notes and I know, so, oh, you know, comedians say if, if you've got notes and you don't know what you're doing, I'm like, OK, then I don't. But making more money than you. So whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I make I do pretty good doing doing the shows because I'm not doing a party, but I'm still doing the same. And people are buying the tickets to the shows. It's not like I'm doing a a free show at the bar and getting fifty bucks. Right. I'm right. Really making money at these shows because I'm doing the two things together. Um, but there's a a lot of it is freestyle where I basically just write the notes. Like I'll write the word you know spanks, lube, uh, hairdresser, yeah. like just those things just because I'm afraid that I'm going to get lost. Most of the time I don't need them, but I'm always afraid I'm going to get lost because I, I have frozen before on stage and it is the worst thing ever. Like there's absolutely nothing worse than being frozen and having no idea where you're supposed to stay next and having 300 people staring at you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And some people just ride that off and start doing crowd work or whatever. And I, I haven't, (laughs) I don't know if I don't have it in me or, if I just haven't been doing it long enough to be able to do that, but I, if I freeze, I'm I'm frozen. And right, you're just frozen. Yeah. I'm just frozen. Um, I I did freeze one time. I was at uh, Zany's in Nashville, um, and I was on a work trip through my company, and there were six. I want to say there were sixty-eight people in the audience that day, and fifty-eight of them were my friends. Because we were all on travel. So everybody came to support me and I froze in the middle of one of my jokes. I just forgot the next word and I was just stuck. And one of my friends started a an applause break and they all applaud and cheered and screamed until I got my shit back together and I finished it. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome to get that kind of support from my friends. But in a real comedy club, like when you don't have 66 friends oh my there, gosh. it's not going to happen. That's called bombing, right? That's I mean, you're just bombing. bombing right? You're bombing like, yeah. at that point. But I didn't, that was the thing is like, I didn't bomb. The jokes before and the jokes after were funny. I just couldn't remember the next line. And I was just like, like oh bombing's basically God. like the complete show is just garbage, right? Yes. I mean, it's just bad. Like, yeah, just really bad, really bad. Um, 
sometimes it's the joke. Some, I mean, I've had people say it's never the audience. Um, well, that's not 100% true. I mean, I've seen comedians that I thought were horrible and everybody else loved, but that's just because I didn't appreciate that person's style of comedy. And I feel that a- way too, though. Like, yeah. there's plenty of people I, I'll be honest with you, like, I, Kevin Hart, I don't get it. I really <laughs> don't get it. I don't <laughs> I think he's him. funny at all. I really don't. I'm serious. My brother loves them, a bunch of people. I'm like, I must be the only person that doesn't get this. I don't know, man. You might I'm be because like, my husband hates everybody, but he loves Kevin Hart. <laughs> like it's funny. I'm I'm just I don't care. I'll just say whatever. I, I really don't think it's that fun. I don't know what it is. It's like there's something there that and I think a lot of things are really funny. Like I'm very easily like laughed at laugh at things. For some reason it doesn't do it for me. I'm not sure what it is. I'm sure he's very funny to a, like, he is funny to a tremendous amount of people. Right. It's just not hitting me. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. Comedy is subjective. So. Yeah, it's very subjective. It's like, I'm not a real big fan of like, what's this one guy? He's very monotone. It's like Jesse something, maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, just f- Anthony Jesselnik. Yeah, he's uh, too, I, I don't like his comedy. I can't. I mean, I've tried so many times. I just it's can't. Too, it's boring, actually. And I get it's like these old ba-dum-bum, you know, moments yeah. and stuff. But I'm just like, this doesn't move me. I'm right. sorry. It just but doesn't. I I appreciate him for sticking to his style because he clearly yes. has uh, a following and people he's got love a thing. him. Yeah. And he's on TV and I'm not. So, I mean, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, take him down for it. But, yeah, no, it's definitely I don't get him. Um, there's just, and then I don't get some, it either. Then there's some comedians where just they can't keep politics out of their mouth, which I never think is a good idea because you're going to split. You're literally getting half of the audience is going to hate you. All right. Yeah. I think Bill Burr's like that to me. Oh, He's kind Bill of Burr. like, I love, love me some Bill Burr. But sometimes some of his specials, it's almost like he's working out his demons. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. he's like, he gets on these jags where it's like, I think that was too much. And and I'm not I'm not offended easily by many things, but I'm like, I think he went like too a little far. too far. And it wasn't <laughs> like it was funny. It was like he meant that shit. Like he yeah. was like really <laughs> angry for real. And I think he didn't know how to bring it back. I mean, I'm not a comedian. How would I know? I'm just saying how I perceived it. Right. I think it's hilarious, but I'm like, is he going through a crisis? Like, and he doesn't know when to like stop being angry about it. You know, that's like, hilarious. I think I had a friend who feels the same way about him, but yeah, it's the same thing. Um, it, it, there's there's things like I love Ali Wong, but there's also I think a, hilarious. Yeah. a lot of moments where I'm like, mm, too far. <laughs> that was yeah. You know, you went from funny to vulgar. And, and for someone who talks about sex for a living, I've got a pretty <laughs> wide berth on what I think is vulgar. And her and um, oh, what's her name? The blonde. Um, Jesus, I should have just made a list of comedians before I left the house today. <laughs> anyway, You're struggling with these names. I've, really. I, I always <laughs> struggle with names. That's why I have notes on my comedy things, because I just... When I lose something, I lose it. I think it could be age, could be Alzheimer's, could be I just don't care. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I really don't care that I much about this. I can see her. She just had a baby. She's <laughs> always obnoxious. Anyway. What is your whole take on like, you remember, I remember when I was growing up, I'm, I'm 41, about to be 42 next week. And uh, I remember it was like, oh, women versus men comics, you know? 
and that whole kind of stereotype that women weren't as funny as men. I remember that whole thing. Like, and I was like, why did, why is this a thing? Like, I don't understand why this is a thing. It's just people, people are funny or they're not, you know, like what's the big deal, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. Um, I find that very frustrating when people say that, uh, it's ridiculous because women are absolutely funny. I just think that men are uncomfortable because our favorite target is them because they're <laughs> um, I think if you talk about sex, if you talk about vaginas, if you talk about periods, you talk about menopause, uh, you talk about blowjobs, it makes guys uncomfortable. And right. the thing is, you know, those are things that are easy to be funny with. Um, and that's one thing where I really do like uh, Eliza Schlesinger because she really does avoid all of those things. Although her last entire special was about her wedding. So yeah. it was very much female oriented. Um, Amy Schumer is who I was thinking about before. Oh, uh, Amy Schumer, just yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, mm, too far. That one made me uncomfortable. Yeah, you yeah, know? I can see, see that. I and it's hard that. for me to be uncomfortable because I literally talk about sex for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of crazy. I don't mind if people go too far. It's just like, it's like, it feels like it's like, it's a real issue for them. You know, I'm just like, okay, you're putting your issue really far out there. Like, and you're not bringing it back in a funny way. It's like, you're just angry. Right. You know, like, or you just got, that's why I said the Bill Burr thing is like, okay, dude, if you got a problem with religion, you need to work that shit out instead of just working it out on people and like being angry at them. Like, right. you know, like right. it's not funny, you know, make it, make it funny, go through far and make it funny right. and bring it back. Again, I'm not a comedian. What do I know? I'm just saying like my perception, I'm the audience member. It's what I think. You know? Right. And it's valid. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people who make fun of Christians and there's a difference between making fun of them in a funny way and making fun of them in just a mean yeah. and rude way. Yeah. And I mean, when anytime anybody brings up Jesus, I'm just like, all right, where are we going with this? Right. right <laughs> are we going to have right. fun or are you about to insult the fuck out of me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I don't mind, you know, like I'm a Christian and I, I love dirty humor. I love everything out there, but I'm just like, have fun with it. Don't like put out your problem with it. Right. You know, like, and then be mean about it. I'm like, save that for some other place. You know, people come on the laugh and stuff. They don't want to be like... I don't insulted. know. It's like insulted. Yeah. It's funny to like make jokes and race and this and that, but like, don't, don't insult people, you know, like, and really mean it, you know, like. And that's, that's the thing when you feel like they mean it, they're like, okay, well, I mean, if you want to hate all Christians, then good luck. Cause we're still a big portion of it's the a world large portion of society. You that know you're just I mean? insulting. It's, like, it's kind of like, and I know that some people like Dave Chappelle makes me, it's funny, but it's like, he's like all like, you know, the transgender people hate him and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> and I don't know. It's kind of funny. I'm just telling, I'm just, but right. I know, but he kind of pulls it back. He's like, I know. And then he like pulls in a smart commentary about being black or about, you know, some other, you know, group of people that have been misunderstood and stuff. It's like, see, you're not the only ones, right. you know, like, and I like that kind of smart, clever humor about it not just slamming but like hey let me turn this around let me make you think about this too yeah on a different level that's that's incredible to me who is it somebody i just watched a comedy sh uh recently and it was either um oh there's two comedians that look very similar there's kind of middle-aged overweight white guys one of which never <laughs> wears a shirt and the other oh my one gosh has 
a beard. And they're both on Netflix. Jim right Gaffigan? Now. No, he's no, not on Netflix. Not he's on uh, Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. One of them is um, Brett or something. Uh, I hate that I cannot do this. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to remember this from this. <laughs> I should have just made a list. Here's all the comedians that I know. He's probably going to ask me about them. It's going to be um, the name of the. Uh, the episode Ray and Lean doesn't remember names. Exactly. <laughs> Brett Kirshner is one of them. And let's see, is he the, let me see which one he is. Anyway, I can't even remember why I was thinking about him right now. Oh, okay. It was either him or the other guy. Uh, and they, apparently everybody in Alabama hates him because he insulted mm. Alabama or Kentucky, oh. like one of those. And he was, <laughs> so hysterical because he comes on and he's like oh i made this joke about kentucky or alabama which everyone is gives and everybody hates me and he goes i don't fucking care <laughs> and then he went on to make a bunch more jokes about why he hated them <laughs> like, that's funny that's actually funny. i will probably never be a comedian like that but i thought it was hysterical yeah. uh <laughs> yeah that's the thing i mean I know a lot of people, but I just don't know their names. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. That's even it's, in real that, life. Like is somebody it? will like come friends out. And stuff? Yeah. Well, like customers. A lot of customers. I have a I have a lot of friends on Facebook and they remember me because I was the person in the front of the party and because uh, I'm all over social media. And then I meet them and they're like, Oh, Raylene, how's your grandkids? How's your new kitten? How's this? How's that? I'm like, oh great. Hey, how are you doing? And then afterwards my husband's like, Who is that? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I could not tell you. And even if I remember them and I'm like, oh, hey, how's your kids? How's this? How's this? Somebody's like, well, why didn't you introduce me? Because I don't know their fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go to conferences for the company that I work for, my best friend, um, for the longest time, she would always say to me, why didn't you introduce me? And I'm like, because I don't remember their name. And so now she purposely, when I am start talking to somebody, she'll go, oh, hi, my name is Nikki. And then that person will introduce themselves and now I know her name. <laughs> So <laughs> I literally have a wing woman with me now. And I say the same thing every time. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you two knew each other. <laughs> right? How clever is that? <laughs> That's pretty clever. I mean, you're like, I got to figure out this problem I got here. <laughs> right. But it is, it really is a problem. And I, and it makes me uncomfortable that I do. I have had, uh, like, I had a girl who was a hostess one time and a friend of hers booked off of her party the next week and the next week I was chatting with her and I had not one clue that she was the hostess from the week before until she reminded me something that happened to her party. Yeah. And that's why I have notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like reminders, it's cues, right? It's kind of like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about and it just pulls you back to that subject or whatever that you were talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think it's a bad thing. Why is that such a bad thing? Is there like there's a problem in comedy if you use notes or something like it's oh like yeah not as good or something they yeah there's a oh i was watching one of those roast battles once and oh, jimmy yeah. carr was had notes and he got slammed for just having the notes like everybody just voted against him because he had notes and i'm like that's just not fair not everybody remembers everything yeah. you know like completely you know it's I don't know. I mean, maybe that, I guess that's the thing that's been going on forever. Is that like a long-term thing in comedy? Uh, yeah, I think you're supposed to use notes at open mics and you're supposed to go unnoted if you're being paid, but people are just used to me having my notes now, but also because when I'm doing a comedy show versus when I'm doing a stand-up comedy show, those are two separate things. 
Um, but they, but they work together. And so what I'm going to, you're going to get, if you go to just a regular comedy show, you're basically getting all of the jokes pulled out of my stand up comedy show. And then when you go to the stand up, sorry, my stand up comedy sex ed show. So then when you go to the stand up comedy sex ed show, you've probably heard the jokes before, but you haven't heard any of the subject matter that goes with all of the products. Because a lot of my jokes are based off of stuff that I wrote. I say wrote in quotes because I don't really write anything, but it was stuff that came out at parties. There's very few things that I have in my comedy that aren't part of the original thing. Like I see. It's just so weird. everything for you is just like the creative process of having these parties is what creates your show. Yes. Interesting. And it was, I was at a, I had done a comedy show one night and I was, I was uncomfortable and I was doing it and I was fine, but it didn't feel great to me. And then the next day I did uh, a sex toy show, a regular party, and I was in my element and I was joking with the girls and laughing and interacting and making stuff up. And I mean, they were crying. And I remember saying to them, I wish this is what it felt like when I was on stage. Mm. And they were like, no, that is what it is like. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's not what it feels like when, it, when I'm on stage. It feels different. And I think that was probably just about a month before I had that epiphany uh, about why don't I just combine the two things I love. And then after my last show, I also had another smaller epiphany and I'm going to have to get over it because the last show I was on a stage with a microphone versus being on the ground on the same level as my guests. Um, and one of them, it was a black box theater. And the one when I was in the black, black box theater was quite possibly the best night of my entire life. I just felt it was amazing. And then, so then the last one I was on the stage and I felt uncomfortable the entire time. Afterwards, I got off stage. I told my husband, I'm like, that show was horrible. I hated it. I never want to do this again. And then I run out to the front so I can get my accolades because I'm words of affirmation. And, yeah. and everybody's like, you did such a great job. Oh my God, you're hilarious. And they're taking pictures and they're hugging. And the whole time I'm like, these bitches are lying to me. That was a horrible show. <laughs> well, then about a week later when my videographer sent it to me, I watched it and I'm like, that show was hysterical. What was your problem? And I honestly think it's the stage. Hmm. I was at the OBGYN office because I had had a pregnancy scare, which is weird because I'm 51 years old and at this point I would be giving birth to my own grandchildren. <laughs> and uh, the reason we had a pregnancy scare is because a condom broke. And we have been using condoms for uh, 20 years now because at some point I decided that this was the National Park Service. <laughs> carry in, carry out. <laughs> no child left behind. <laughs> So, so um, I had one of one of them had just given up the fight. It didn't survive. And you find out who you are as a human when you have a pregnancy scare. Because I thought I was a born again Christian Republican pro life woman. But what I said was, "Get me a Plan B right now." 
So obviously I'm going to hell. But it turns out that I was not pregnant. I am going into menopause. And I know that in this room we've got women who are going into menopause, women who are in menopause, women who have gone through menopause. And so I'll share a little, like, here's how I think this goes. So all women are born with all of the eggs that they are ever going to have. They come with you as part of the set. And so they also come with a carrier, uh, a, a, a maintenance person, if you will. We call her Aunt Flo. <laughs> so when you reach the age that you are ready to procreate, Aunt Flo takes one of her lovely tended eggs and puts it in your uterus and says, go forth and procreate. <laughs> but we're like 12. <laughs> So we do not, in fact, go forth and procreate, and this makes her very mad. She's like, you are wasting that egg! And that's what she says, and on the outside, we're like, call me off of traffic again, motherfucker! And then she gets really sad. She's like, I don't have that many eggs! What are we gonna do? And what are we doing on the outside? We're like, did you see the video of the little girl who gave somebody a flower? <laughs> and this happens for the, until you're like 47. And then at 47, Aunt Flo turns around and she looks and she goes, oh, we got a lot left over. Here's a dozen. <laughs> but then everything is times 12, right? Including the bleeding. So now we can't do anything. We can't wear white. We can't leave the house for more than two hours. We're like, oh, I'm leaking. Oh, I think I'm leaking. Oh, I think I'm leaking. Now I'm definitely leaking. <laughs> right? And if, and if you're wearing span, if you're wearing Spanx, your ass will create a tunnel and it will just fuck <laughs> I have, I think that I've got some sort of mental block about being above people. Interesting. And, Cause you're so used to being in these parties where you're right on their level. Yep. With them. And I re and that's why I think the black box theater went so well is because I was at the same level or they were above me and they were looking down at me, which was fantastic. Um, so that's the next thing I kind of have to overcome, but it really, it was weird. I was very uncomfortable the whole time. And I felt like I was just messing the whole thing up until a heckler started to really pester me and I just I just said you're you're gonna have to shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> and the audience went crazy and they were laughing and clapping and stomping their hand and the person got embarrassed and left and then from that moment on it was smooth sailing for me and it was just like I kind of just took over my own body and and uh made it happen but yeah I did notice that was a little bit weird and I think that may be the problem from the very beginning because I also did a comedy show a couple of weeks ago where I was on the floor instead of on the stage and I killed it. Right. And so I think I'm going to have to do more stage stuff until I get over my literal stage fright. Man, that sounds, that's crazy. Like the physical 
the actual physical mechanics of the stage or the structure changes how you feel about it. Right. And I don't know, and I don't know why, but I'm glad that I acknowledge it. Yeah. Cuz now I can work on it. Well, what's the state of comedy from your point of view from here on out, on out? I mean, I know like at some point things will move in a direction where we'll be getting back to some semblance of what we used to have, but where do you see it going for yourself and the industry at large? Well, it is scary right now because a lot of people are, I mean, that's their only income. That's right. Um, I know a couple of people who are really, really hurting right now. Um, but right now there's also a lot of people are doing Zoom comedy shows, mm-hmm. which I don't feel like I would be successful at. I need the energy from the people in the room. Uh, it's also why I'm not doing Zoom parties with my adult novelty business. Um, I I just I feed off the energy. I think as soon as possible, shows will start popping up. People need to laugh. We love yeah. to laugh. We need to laugh. Um, I've got to get my next one booked. I think I'll probably book it for September, end of September, beginning of October. But ideally, I'd like to start taking this show on the road. And I'd love to be able to do it for colleges because the sexual health knowledge, sex, sex is always better talked about when there's laughter involved because it cuts down on the discomfort of the subject matter. And um, I'm trying to get into the college market because I do cover things like consent. I cover condoms, which a lot of people are just opposed to, which I do not understand. Wait wait a minute. Wait, we'll back it up. Beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Opposed to? What's the opposition? Oh, well, the the guys say that it doesn't feel as good. Okay. And and I've told so many <laughs> girls. I've told so many girls. You know, it feels better than not having sex at all. <laughs> or um, I took. I had a girl one time say to me, "Well, my boyfriend won't have sex with me with a condom on." And I said, "Oh, sweetheart." I said, "Why don't you just start masturbating in front of him?" And within a few minutes, he will wear two condoms and a pretty pink pink bow on the end of his penis if that's what you tell him to do, right? <laughs> Well, I'm like, give me a break, girlfriends. Nothing wrong with condoms. Keep yourself safe. And it's yeah, not even about disease anymore. It's, I mean, not even about pregnancy anymore. It's about disease. But yeah. these kids haven't didn't grow up in the AIDS epidemic, so they don't realize how prevalent yeah. all of those things still are. Uh, but yeah, I talk about how long it takes the average man to orgasm, how long it takes the average woman to orgasm. I talk about oral favors on both sides. Um masturbation sleeves masturbating in general toys not boys like it's a really good thing that i I love doing college parties because they may not understand all of it now but i give them enough uh information so that they can ask questions later that they know are fair questions um a lot of girls don't even know what they're supposed to ask because they've never had any conversations with anybody uh statistics that are important for colleges, like 43% of women enter college as virgins. And by the end of the freshman year, it's down to 22%. That's a a lot of people. Yeah. That's 43%. Yeah. It's quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, people are not having sex as much as uh, kids are not as much as everybody thinks they are. I think everybody um, thinks teenagers are just all over the place with that, you know? Yeah. And I, I'd be willing to bet those numbers are probably changing each and every single year. But 
Um, the reality is there should be education before their sex so they understand. But some people are like, if we don't talk about it, they won't do it. Yeah, Wrong. Right. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know what you call parents who don't talk to their kids about sex? Grandparents. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I was just talking to that lady before I had you on about the tremendous lack of sexual education for teenagers in the United States. I mean, I can't speak for other countries, obviously, but it's pretty bad, actually. I mean, can you remember yours? I mean, <laughs> oh, there was no sex ed. Not good. Like, no. I remember taking the class in high school and I remember this is a joke. What a joke, man. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was. It doesn't know. teach you anything. It doesn't. And it's like everybody's afraid to talk about be graphically appropriate, you know, like and just say what things are and not feel like, oh, this is I can't talk about this. You know, like this is weird. You know, they think, oh, you talk about this to teenagers. They're just going to have more sex and stuff right. like that. I'm like, No, what? they're going to have more informed sex and they're going to be able to make right. better choices. You know, and that's the inf being informed is the best way to to ensure that your kids make better choices. That's, they've got to understand their choices. And if we always just make it, it's bad. Well, they're going to want to do it because <laughs> it looks fun on TV because <laughs> they never, ever show bad sex on TV. <laughs> yeah. What does that ever happen in a show? Like this like never happens right. like a movie, a show. It's like, it's not realistic. Right. <laughs> like, and the beginning, well, the beginning of uh bachelorette, party or whatever that was the the female version of the hangover mm -hmm. she had bad sex but <laughs> also there was no communication so it was kind of half her fault <laughs> right you've right. got to be able to talk about it and it's not awful my my favorite uh there was a girl who came to one of my shows and she was there on a first date she had brought a guy that she had just i don't know if it was a first date but it was within the first couple of weeks of them dating and after the show, she goes, we had such great conversations on the way back to, you know, our place, her place. She goes, of things that we never ever would have talked about on the first date, you know, or the, or the first meeting or whatever. And she goes, and it was great. It just gave us a, a, a bouncing point to just talk about all the things that you talked about. And that's really the point. The point is for people to just talk about it. What did you think about what she said about that? you know, or, oh, well, that's what we did wrong last, last time. Or I've been yeah. thinking about that, but I didn't know how you feel about that. And so that gives them an hour and 15 minutes of comedy mixed in with real, actual sexual health knowledge uh, that has been built over 13 years and 10,000 conversations with women. Yeah. What the hell is a masturbation sleeve, man? What is that? It's like the <laughs> it's like it's the fleshlight or you know <laughs> like one of those things. One, like what is this? I'm thinking this is terrible. I'm like masturbation sleeve is this like the the sleeve that is worn in basketball games? <laughs> Guys wear to keep their arm warm. No, it's, it's just the, for your penis. <laughs> yeah, ours is called get a grip. But yeah, get it's a just grip. a sleeve. Um, okay. There's there's that's one of the things that I I love. That's the other thing that I think is funny about our show is I literally talk about sex, but there's at no point do I use any vulgarity or terms of vulgarity. Yeah. Like I use all proper body parts. I use all the proper names of everything. It's all oral favor. 
not blowjob, <laughs> masturbation sleeve, not uh, what do they call? There's the one. What do they call it? I mean, what else could it be called? Oh, I mean... po- po- the the pocket pussy. I ugh, I hate that. <laughs> what is this, man? I hate those those words. Um, it sounds pretty bad, actually. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of it. You know, it is the most rated PG thirteen show you can see with a rated R subject matter. Yeah, and I'm very careful about making sure that I include the education, and I do talk about the different types of toys and how to use them. So, you know, like if you go to a toy store, um, you could buy a toy, but they're not really going to give you any um, instruction, you know, on the best way to use the toy or to make sure that you use lubrication, make sure you clean the toys when you're done, all, all of that stuff. And I cover all of that in my stand-up comedy sex ed. It's really wow. kind of What's fun. the most popular toy that people purchase? Um, it, it depends. Um, well, I would say the get a grip masturbation sleeve, it's, you know, out of the gate. Most of the Back women are again. like, yeah, the, the women are like here, one of those for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then the other one, it really depends. There's not, I've got two that have battling for number one. I've got one that's been number one They're for, battling. yeah, well, one of them's newer than the other one. And since it came out, it's my number one, but of all time, I've got, uh, there's a, uh, it's called the main attraction and it is a, uh, a dual action toy that's designed to hit your G spot. Okay. Um, and then the second one is, it's a much a smaller one and it's called the twilight mood and it actually folds in half. So it can hit your G spot and your clitoris at the same time, but it doesn't have, uh, the end part sticking out. So you can use it with your partner. So you can put oh, it in and then wrap it around and your partner can go underneath it, which will push it up. So one of them is to use by yourself or with a partner. And the other one, you really, it's for by yourself, unless your partner wants to hold it, which is also cool. Wow. That's interesting. Today is all about sex with me, apparently. Yeah. <clears throat> so at did, least I'm like, did you also I, meet your other guest on Spot a Guest? I did. Uh, did I? Yeah, I did. Does she I have did. flaming red hair? I don't know if her head's no, that's Lori Beth. Oh, I know her. Is, yeah, okay. I, she's been on my show. Yeah. She's she went in hard. She's like, Can I say what I want to say? I was like, Oh yeah, just and uh it was a wild episode actually, because we started talking about spanking and all this stuff and <laughs> what she likes. It's crazy stuff, man. I was she, like, Man, I don't she gets into some crazy things. Hey, I mean, she's good. into a lot of crazy things. And I was like, Wow, this is like, you know, polyamorous relationships. And, uh, I mean, I didn't know there was like these spanking tools that like had holes in them yeah, and all this stuff. And she just like her favorite apparently. And, uh, man, she was just open. And you know what? I appreciate that. I appreciate the openness. I just, like I told the lady before her name's Jackie Oliver. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate when people are like, no, this is what it is. These are subjects we shouldn't be shying away from or go, right. Oh, we can't talk about that. It's just too, you know, obscene or something. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's right. like a an act that people do all the time. Right now, somebody's doing it right now. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, what's the problem here? You know? As long as you've got two consenting adults and they both consent, mind your business about what they're doing. Yeah. Period. I mean, you know, it's just not just, it's weird. It's like people are afraid to have the conversation. Right. Or it's like, in my experience, I, you know, I grew up an athlete. I was a collegiate athlete. And my experience with like guys talking about it, 
is like guys being real vulgar about it in a locker room. Right. And saying all these weird, crazy, outlandish things. And I always thought to myself, is this really happening? Or is this just like bravado? I never got into that. I was like, it's not my thing, man. Right. You know, like I'm all about having the conversation, but you don't need to lie about stuff, you know? That's originally why I was a little bit nervous about doing stand-up comedy sex ad because in the company that I'm in, um, art parties are for women only. So I've never had to deal with guys. And and the only time I did was sometimes I would get a husband who was pissed off that he had to leave the house for the party. I'm like, oh, it's my house. I don't see why I have to leave. And I'm like, well, because it's a ladies <laughs> only night. So goodbye. Um, yeah, and then I had one guy once, um, uh, it was the end of the party and he had come home and his girlfriend was like, could you help her carry her totes out to the car? He goes, I'm not touching that box of fucking dildos. And I said, it's a, <laughs> I said, it's a rubber made tote, dude, pick it up and put it in my fucking car. And he just <laughs> stared at me and I was like, I'm not having this shit. So we get out to the car, he puts it in and, uh, and he goes, just so you know, we don't need any of this shit. And he went to turn around and I said, dude. If your girlfriend brings home $200 worth of sex toys, you better listen to what she's saying. <laughs> and he just walked away. And I was, and I'm not usually that confrontational about it, but every now and then a guy will just piss me off and I just want to be like, Row! <laughs> so I, I was, story. <laughs> I was worried when I started doing the, the stand-up comedy and the stand-up comedy sex ed shows that I would get pushback from guys and I'm not getting it. I, I've had one guy be a dick. Um, yeah. And uh, he it was like right at the very beginning of my show. And it was or not at my show. It was a comedy comedy show, not a sex ed show. And I said my opening line and he goes, bullshit. And, you know, now I've been doing it for a couple of years. And I'd be like, oh, you know, looks like this guy's the one with the problem. Or, you know, like I know yeah. I could flip it around now. and But at the time I wasn't expecting it. And it just kind of threw me off um but for the most part i've got guys coming out and they are like sorry i've got guys coming out and they are you know hugging me and laughing and shaking my hand and saying i almost peed myself and (laughs) and and i'm like all right that's that's good that's good the guys are taking it well they're not taking it as an in like um, my therapist actually came to one of my shows. Yes, haha, I'm in therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he said, uh, I was there with my brother-in-law. We were just like, oh, there's going to be an hour and a half of her bashing men. And and he goes, and it wasn't. Aww. He goes, it was a really good show. And I was like, I told you. <laughs> I told you, man. There's not a he-man woman haters thing. <laughs> no, it's really not. I do pick on guys, but that's because, like I said, they're they're easier to pick on. Um, but I also pick on women just as much. I'm like, we do this, they do that. We do this, they do that. But a lot of the information I'm sharing is just facts. And it's not crazy facts where you need to go too far out of your comfort zone to look them up. It's just that until somebody says it out loud, you don't realize how normal most stuff is. And I'll have people at my party saying, oh my God, are you looking in my window? And I'm like, no, I'm giving you a look into my window. This is literally regular normal things it is normal and you know and then i'll tell them i'm like so here's a statistic that 80 percent of people do this and 20 percent of people do this and i said and if you're the 20 percent, don't feel bad 20 percent is still blah 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 million people there's nothing wrong with the way you want things to be it's just that 
there's also nothing wrong with this. And it just, it's out there to make people feel comfortable and have fun. There's definitely some weird stuff going on out there. I'm not oh, going to lie, is. man. I mean, I, when I talked to Lori Beth, she, I said, I want like the spectrum of like fetishes. We started talking about fetishes and she, I said, well, what's like the weirdest, like really like far down. She's like, oh, like, like nailing. I was like, what's nailing? You know, where people like they nail the scrotum, the man's scrotum to like an object or something. I was like, what, what are we talking about here? She's like, oh yeah, it happens. I said, ah, it's weird. It is. <laughs> Some stuff is weird, but like I said, two consenting Somebody's adults. doing it though. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it. You know, it's uh, not something I'd be into, but I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> but you know. Somebody asked me the other day, what is the weirdest, what is, what is the thing that I was most shocked by when I first started uh, selling the products? Because when I first started selling, I didn't own anything. No toys, no lubes, no heighteners, oh, okay. no cleaners, no laundry, no nothing. I just recognized an opportunity to make money. This was like, I can go out and educate people and have it not feel creepy and uncomfortable. I can just make it funny. And he said, so what? I said, the first three months I walked around just going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> like I had no idea how vanilla I was until I started doing this. And so for three months, I was just terribly shocked. And the thing that I have found that shocked me the most um, was how many people are swingers. Really? And, and who are swingers? Because it's never who you think it is. I agree it's, with that. And sometimes it's exactly who you think it is, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> totally true. My my wife, like, this was like maybe a year into our marriage. And she's like, you see those two old people right there? I'm like, what? She's like, they're swingers. I was like, no. She's like, oh, yeah. They're totally swinging. I've known them for a long time. They're totally into it. And I was like, are you serious? And it just, you would never think, you know, you're right. It's like. How would you know? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. That was the thing that um, that I was most shocked by. And then uh, on one of the podcasts I was on, they asked for questions. And somebody asked, if you enjoy pegging, does that make you gay? What the hell is that? <laughs> what is pegging? I knew that was coming. Pegging is... <laughs> Pegging is when a female partner uses a strap-on on the male partner. Oh, I see. All right. I see. And, uh, and I said, no, the only thing that makes you gay is being gay. <laughs> <laughs> enjoying, enjoying anal penetration does not make you gay. That is where your prostate gland is. And uh, whether or not it's a finger or a full-on toy uh, it does not make you gay to enjoy that. So I thought that was funny that somebody asked that question. I was like, was it a facetious <laughs> question or are they serious? Like, do they really have questions about their partner? <laughs> <laughs> they have questions about their partner. <laughs> That's crazy. Do you have any, like, what's the wildest story you've heard from somebody like while you're doing these or, I mean, just anything. I just, I love stories like crazy stuff. Um, I don't know. I will say there was one uh, party that I did where the, the, husband came home halfway through the party and I told him he could not stay. And he goes, well, I'm just going to the bedroom and I'm going to stay in the bedroom. And I'm like, well, that's where all my stuff is. And, uh, and he's, he's like, fine. So he slams the door, <laughs> bam, goes out the front door, bam, goes stomping down the stairs. Cause no surprise, this idiot lives in a shit ass apartment, uh, goes out, gets in his car and squeals down the street to leave. 
right? And then at the end of the party, one of the guests said, what's the most uncomfortable experience you've ever had in a party? And I was like, this one right here. Most uncomfortable I've ever been. Goodbye. I've heard a lot of weird, you know, like sex stories, not really sex stories so much as what people like. Um, and like I said, there's always percentages. So it's hard to say if something is, it's something that wouldn't make me comfortable. Right, um, right, right. But does it surprise you to hear what people say? Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, you've there's had like, a lot of repetition with it now. Yeah, but. yeah. I, um, I don't know. It, at this point, I think it was just because I was under such a uh, Christian cloud of vanilla sexuality that I just didn't realize all the different kinds of sex were happening around me. Um, but no, pretty much nothing surprises me anymore. Uh, I, I think the thing that surprises me really is how uneducated, uneducated people are about their own bodies. Mm. Like, In what way? What do you mean? Like Occasionally explain. I'll meet somebody who doesn't know the difference between their clitoris and their cervix. No, no, no. Don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Are you serious? Stuff, yeah. Stuff like that bothers me. Um, oh. When, uh, in general, I really wish people could get more comfortable just using their own proper body part names and making sure they teach their kids the proper body part names. Um, and uh, I can't remember if it was Anthony Jeselnik or if it was Bo Burnham or one of those other tall, skinny, white guy comics uh, talking about how... Uh, and it's funny because I talk about this in my comedy show, too, and I might have to stop doing it because I don't want him to think I stole it from him. But I was doing right. it before I heard the video that the area that people call the vagina is actually the vulva. Right. And so to say, like, on your face, you have your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your ears, your cheeks. Those are all part of your face. And to call the vulva your vagina would be like calling the whole thing your mouth. Right. <laughs> right. And so to know the different body parts is to understand them better. Um, how big the clitoris is, is a fun one. And I love to educate people on that one. And I have a 3D clitoris that I bring to both oh, my wow. parties and my comedy show. So people can understand how big it actually is. Uh, so you really shouldn't have that much trouble finding it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like blinking lights here we are boop, boop. Yeah. there there is specifics about i mean it is kind of hidden in there but it's also not just that little nub sure. i mean it's yeah. it's six four to six inches long when it's aroused and so to un when i un when i show people that when i show them what a clitoris looks like and they can understand they understand foreplay right so that's another thing I love to talk about. You're like, I love talking about it. I it's know. Great. I really do. <laughs> I, I really just, do. I really just love the education part of it. And there's like literally nothing naughty about it. It's like, this is, this is how this works. Here, take yeah, it. true. Use this information in whatever way makes you happy. But please understand. I mean, it's the closest thing you're going to get to a user manual. Right. <laughs> Funny you mentioned that because I was talking about them. My last podcast I recorded today was about that concept of a manual. Like, it's not like there's a playbook here, generally speaking, right. when people are growing up. So, you know, you're asking and then you're saying, oh, okay, parents, 
teach your kids about it. But then, you know, you have a lot of parents who don't have any idea either. So yeah. and those people the are blind teaching, leading the blind. Those kids are people are teaching their kids math right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the comedian part there, people. Yeah. Are you going to, you should be doing material on homeschooling. It's probably gold right now. I mean, geez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People, all the memes out there and stuff, and people like losing their mind that they actually like have to do work with their kids and stuff. Like, yeah, but the reality is, most of them shouldn't be. I agree, man. I don't actually think it's that hard. I've been doing it with my daughter and my wife, have been doing it, and we actually, it's not been bad. It's, it's <laughs> been actually, I think she's learning more, honestly. You're a doctor. Yeah, well, yeah, but <laughs> you want that. I'm not going to mention any specific types of people, but do you want any? Big box store greeters teaching seventh grade algebra? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's bad when you're teaching math and you like learn new stuff? You're like, well, I didn't know how that actually was done <laughs> when I do that division. Yeah. I have never in my life been more grateful that my children are all adults. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I sure as hell couldn't be teaching them anything from high school, but my my youngest is in college and the most I can do for her is proofread her papers. Yeah. Cause that I'm good at. I, I have proofread my husband through his three master's degrees, my daughter through her master's degrees, my other one through her bachelor's degrees. And I've got this one getting her and I can proofread the hell out of a paper. I'm not going to correct it. I'm not going to change your words. I'm going to tell you whether or not it makes sense and whether or not your yeah. punctuation and your spelling is proper or, and your, yeah. you know, word, play sometimes if i see something that sounds sounds really wonky I'll, I'll make a little note but i don't correct anything i let their work stand for themselves but i will correct punctuation grammar that kind of crap that i'm good at you're like and that's about it that's where i i draw the line i know but at this point i kind of feel like i deserve like at least an associate's degree by proxy for all this shit right all the <laughs> stuff you've done with them <laughs> what do they think about your comedy your kids uh, they think they think it's great. Um, my last comedy show, my oldest daughter, who is 31, came up from Maryland with her two best friends, her best friend's boyfriend, and then brought three local friends all to my show. And they had a great time. Um, awesome. My youngest has been she hasn't been to one of my comedy shows, but she has been to one of my parties. Actually, they've all been to multiple parties. My middle one lives in New York City, and her and her friends have me out to New York City at least once a year to do a party um, to bring people because they know it's going to be funny. And when I do comedy in New York City, and it's usually like a bringer where I have to bring, you know, five or six people in order to be able to perform, her and her friends yeah. always show up for me. So that's cool. That's awesome. That's really um, cool. The, the best part, though, is my husband did not like me doing comedy at all really he really what, what was this? he didn't like that i was at bars at night you know mm -hmm. and whatever it was just a weird i don't even know what his issue was a little bit jealous <laughs> a, a little bit like he is ready to retire at some point and i'm starting a new career and it bothered him but my stand-up comedy sex ed shows he's there for every single one of them he sets up all my equipment he helps me carry everything in. He breaks down all my equipment while I'm out there getting the kiss and cry area um, and hanging out. And he packs the car and he's super supportive of the stand-up comedy sex ed. That's awesome. So I'm so grateful 
that we found a way where I can still be on stage because I love it and he can be comfortable with me being on stage. That's fantastic. But, yeah. It's did your really kids cool. think you were funny growing up? Like when, as you were raising them today, like, oh, mom's really funny. Like, <laughs> they were they're like, like no. it was the mom jokes instead of the dad jokes. <laughs> but their friends all thought I was cool and funny, which was oh, okay. Good. And they hated that their friends thought I was cool and funny. <laughs> of course, now they, they did. don't. Now they don't. Now they love yeah. that I'm cool and funny. Well, it's just interesting because you know I know a lot of people like who think they're funny. I don't know. How do you know? Like I don't know. Just like again, it's so subjective. Like there's people that I think are naturally just hilarious people, and I don't think that they know they're funny. You ever met people like that who are just hysterical and they they don't get that they're funny. They're like, what? Why is that funny? Like, I don't get it. You know? Yeah, I've got a few. And I think those people are, they have more of a dry sense of humor. And my yeah. husband's kind of like that. He'll it's say true. things that just destroy me because they're so so funny. And I've got a friend like that. I think you know you're funny is if you're introduced to somebody and they say, this is my friend Raylene. She's really funny. Like if that's oh, your- really. If that's your introduction, um, and I always wonder, and I like want to do this on Facebook, is like, how do you think your friends introduce you? <laughs> or um, like when they're saying, oh, you're about to meet Raylene, she's really funny. Or you're about to meet Raylene, she's really funny when you get used to her. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, what's your warning? Like, what's do you have a what's warning, the warning label? What's the warning label? What's the warning label say? It's a good idea. I don't think anybody would say I was funny. They would never like, this is Darian. He's funny. That's definitely not what people would say. I bet they'd say me. you're smart. They'd probably say I was smart. They're like kind, caring, you know, very nice. Funny, definitely not. I don't, that's definitely not happening. I don't, I don't think I'm funny at all. Like every once in a while, I come up with a zinger and I'm like, I can't believe I said something funny. Like that's how it basically goes. It's like my mom. My mom's never yeah. said a funny thing on purpose in her whole life. <laughs> that's how I am. I'm not trying. I can't. I like laughing at other people's stuff, but I don't think I'm funny at all. I'm like, eh, probably more serious in, in nature, you know, but my middle, ones, my middle daughter is hysterical. The other two have normal amounts of humor. Oh, my so middle, middle one, one. she's got the chi, maybe, right? Yeah, she's but good. she would never, ever get on stage. She's, oh, okay. Yeah, she's very shy. The sh well, I mean, I don't know about shy, but she's, she's very reserved. And you can't but get she's a funny. She is funny. She's funny to me, anyway. <laughs> See? So. So but even her friends think she's funny. Interesting. We got to do that warning label. I like that whole idea. Kind of like, how do people introduce you? What do you think they'd say about you? <laughs> exactly. What's your warning label? Like, what's your warning label? Oh, I'm gonna put that on Facebook today. I'm gonna. That's do that. actually a really. That might be the name of this uh, episode. What's your warning label? Potentially. That's perfect. Isn't that good? That's like really good. You came up with that. It's amazing. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm writing know. it down because I will forget it if I don't. <laughs> Raylene forgets people's names, so you know it's. Yeah. You meet oh, her, she, she's not perfect. gonna remember who you are. That's really? perfect. That's she'll never remember meeting you. <laughs> Whether she's sober or straight, she just either way, she's not gonna remember, so it doesn't matter. I'll rem <laughs> like... I remember face it's all right. So here's the strength thing. Before I did any of this, I used to do conference registrations for a living. Mm -hmm. And I can remember names like nobody's business. And I can remember faces like nobody's business, but I can never match the names with the faces. So <laughs> somebody could come up and be like, oh, uh, I'm Jim from 
you know, West Palm Beach utilities. And I'm like, oh, Jim Smith, how are you? And I knew everything about him. And then later on, I he, every, you got to wear a badge. Or maybe I'm just so used to people wearing badges because I used to do so many conventions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I could tell you everything about it. They could give me their first name or their last name, and I could tell them what town they were from, what job they all of that stuff. But I could never remember the name with the face at the same time. Yeah. It's weird. It's just like a gap for you, you know? It's it just, is. It's just and, something and it not there. it makes me feel better. This is a true story. I met a girl once at a conference. Um, we had a nice conversation. I liked her. We became friends on Facebook. Then we earned a trip together, and we were rooming together. And we were in the same room. We unpacked together. We did a <laughs> bunch of stuff together. And then she went. We both went separate ways. I went to the bar to get cocktails, and she did something. And then when we came back for dinner... We're going around the table introducing everybody. And I pointed at her and she goes, I'm your roommate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And that's that's how bad it is. Wow. Like, wow. I was literally sleeping in the same room. And I didn't re- like we had walked away from each other and came back and I didn't remember. That's a real gap. Seriously. That's just like a thing for you. I don't know. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of upsetting, too. It's kind of upsetting. It is. It's I mean, so maybe sad. a little bit, right? It's like, wow, man. I don't know. You might not remember who I am, and you know, I'm like, I oh, I'll remember you because I've never seen your face. So <laughs> I'll remember your voice. I'll remember your name. I'll remember your pod. Okay. I like. I'll remember everything, but I will never remember your face. To, I mean, not never, um, but it takes it takes a while, which yeah. is weird because I get super mad when people don't remember me. <laughs> it's like the opposite. Don't you better remember who I am? Well, but also, my name is Raylene Teskoski. Yeah, so, it's, it's pretty different. I'm I mean, pretty memorable. I think so. I and mean, I, this is pretty memorable. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I try not. I try not to get mad because I know it's stupid because I can't remember people and it drives me crazy. I, it's one of those things where I'm like, at 51, I don't know that I'm going to be able to retrain my brain. There's just a lot of useless information in there. <laughs> There's like, a lot of useless information. Do I really need to remember my phone number from when I was in kindergarten? No, 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 no definitely not. I would rather save it for somebody's name, but that's not an option. I think you're saving it for like explaining the masturbation sleeve to people like me, apparently. They're just, they're really handy. They're fast too. They're fast. I tell the ladies, if you want to be over with it quick, because you got shit to do, get yourself a sleeve, pop it on it, boom, 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 you're done. Like, like when you're on vacation to Disney and you want, (laughs) you like, you got the tickets to get in early, but he's like dry humping your leg in the morning. You just roll over and be like. (laughs) Get dressed. Let's go. Everybody in the car. Let's go. Everybody lock it up. Here we go. <laughs> get, in the, get in the car. We're going to Disney. Catch Man, the bus. Dad got the, dad got the handy before morning time. You know? Exactly. <laughs> wow. I got to tell you, this was a lot of fun. I, I figured it was going to be, uh, but you never know. But it was definitely a lot of fun learning about you and your comedy and just you as a person. I'm really grateful we got to connect. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you too. I wish, you know, I really wish I had taken a minute to ask you some questions. <laughs> oh no, you don't have to do that. Maybe another time. You know, I sometimes I like to have people on a couple times. So maybe the next time we'll just, we'll just keep it rolling, you know? Perfect. And maybe I'll kick a, kick a list of people that I want to talk about. So I remember all their names. <laughs> you come with the written oh, down list next time. Maria Bamford. That's who it was. You. Yes. That's you know the thing is my mind is a steel trap. I never forget anything. The problem is I do not have the combination to the trap. 
I think, you so, know, it's this happening, that phenomenon, which as soon as you put something into motion in your mind, your mind start the Rolodex of your mind starts pulling it up over time while you're doing other things, having yeah. other conversations, then boom, it pops up out of the Rolodex and then bam, there you go. I think that's literally how this, the show started. And that's how a lot of things happen in my life. I'll just store them under shit that needs to be figured out. And then when I figure it out, my brain just drops it in and goes, here you go, yeah. figured it out. You did. So, you came up with it. Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford. She was my absolute favorite, like when I was in my early 20s and and everything. But she did have, I guess, a nervous breakdown. She talks about it in oh. her comedy show. I'm not spilling anything that she hasn't talked about. Um, and then she's back to doing comedy again. And I just always really liked and respected her. And I thought she was hilarious. She also does a lot of character voices. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like people who do that, actually. I love when people... Um, can do mimic people's voices, other real people. It's pretty crazy talent, I think, to have. Yeah. Well, she does like character voices on uh, cartoons and stuff. Oh, I see. So, um, like on stuff that we used to watch. And I would, look, I'm like, whose voice is this? And I'm like, oh my God, I love her. Yeah. So oh, I'm glad awesome. to see that she's back out again. That's good. I mean, it's always good when somebody's getting back to something after having an issue or, you know, going through something tough. So, yeah. That's pretty good. Well, I'm, again, I'm pretty pumped about this. This was really fun. And I look forward to the intro to this is going to be some of your comedy um, that people will listen to before they get into our conversation. So I think that'll be fun too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, really like- I pulled like... it from YouTube. Oh, yeah. Did you see my uh, the one about menopause? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's going to be an intermission of this too. Oh, that one? The thing I love about that whole joke, that that whole set- came out fully formed at a party. I had never thought about it before. I had never done anything. And then all of a sudden I just, we were talking about, I don't even remember what product it was. And then I was like, well, you know how periods work. And I, that whole thing just came out fully formed. And at the end I yeah. was crying. Cause I was like, I cannot believe I just, and I was like, somebody write down some keywords on that so I can remember it when I get home. Yeah. And literally that's how a lot of my jokes just fall out of my mouth. That's awesome. Well, they're going to hear it and uh, on the front end in the middle. So thank you so much for your time. It was it was a blast. It was I laughed a lot, which is a good sign. So, oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Raylene, you have a good day. Thanks, Darian. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.